This podcast is brought to you by the Administrative Committee of the Presbyterian Church in America, promoting the unity, purity, and progress of the church. Learn more about the Administrative Committee and support its work by visiting PCAAC.org. Welcome to Gifts and Graces. All Christians have communion in each other's gifts and graces, says the Westminster Confession. So on this podcast, we help you and your church benefit from the gifts and graces of other parts of Christ's body. Each episode, we bring you a seminar, sermon, or discussion from church leaders across the country and around the world designed to promote the unity, purity, and progress of the church. This is Gifts and Graces. On this episode of Gifts and Graces, we get to hear a panel discussion between Mark Bates, Jerry Gibson, Greg Hills, Dale Hollenbeck, and Leonard Liu as they discuss how to cultivate a culture of missions in your church. Mark Bates is the Senior Director of U.S. Operations for Mission to the World. Jerry Gibson is the MTW Western Hub Director. Greg Hills is the Director of MTW's Northeast and Mid-Atlantic Hub. Dale Hollenbeck is Director of the MTW Mid-America Hub. And finally, Leonard Liu is the Director of Mobilization for MTW's Southeast Hub. This episode was originally recorded as a seminar delivered at the 2023 General Assembly. Let's listen as these leaders consider how to cultivate a culture of missions in your church. I'm just going to start, kick us off a little bit, give you a little bit of sense of who is here and who's talking to you today. We view this seminar as um, the start of a conversation. The things that we're going to talk about today in today's seminar are really just going to hit the very tip of the iceberg, hopefully whet your appetite so that you can know more because the mission of God um, is so big and so broad. The Lord is doing so much around the world that we recognize that the conversations that we need to have to continue to advance missions around the world, especially through the church, is going to happen um, through a lot of conversation and a lot of relationship because every church is a little bit different. So just to introduce myself, my name is Jerry Gibson, and I am um, the a hub director for the Western Hub. We'll talk about the hubs in a little bit, or actually in about five seconds. And I'm also helping to sort of MTW think through kind of a broader uh, mobilization effort um, so that our hubs are unified and our short-term missions are unified, trying to pull some different pieces of MTW where we're seeking to mobilize people uh, for missions, help us think about how to do that effectively together. Um, And so we are so incredibly grateful that you are here. You have no idea. Anytime somebody shows up for a mission seminar, that is amazing. And we know that you are probably very amazing people, and we're just so grateful that you're here. Um, But we do have some information that we want to share. And so to start us off, I just want to talk about... um, Hubs. Raise your hand if you have heard MTW, somebody in MTW talk about hubs. Raise your hand. Oh, okay, good. All right. We have the majority of the room uh, knows about the hubs. That is exciting. That means that it's working. Essentially what has happened is uh, MTW under Lloyd Kim's leadership has developed regional offices. We call them hubs around the United States. And I want to talk a little bit about, introduce you to the hubs, just in case you aren't connected, and talk a little bit about why hubs, because the the brothers that are going to be up here today, uh, who are going to be sharing some insights, are all hub directors, and plus our boss, uh, Mark Bates, is is going to come up as well. So why hubs? I want to say it this way. Um, You know, there's a reason that we don't just broadcast the gospel from Memphis, Tennessee to Saudi Arabia. There's a reason we send people to live uh, among the people of the world in order to proclaim the gospel. 
And the reason why we do that is we look to Jesus and what he did for us in humbling himself and pitching a tent among us. And so we see that model in missions. We you do that all around the world, and we want it to be intentional as an organization to do that within the United States so that we can better serve the local church because that is a primary reason that MTW exists is to serve the local church because God, you are the ones that God has called to accomplish the Great Commission. We're a part of that as MTW, but primarily the Lord has raised you up, established you to accomplish the Great Commission. And so we want to support you in that. And you can't do that if you don't know the people, if you don't know the churches. And so we wanted to be present. That was Lloyd's real vision. And so we've established that. We've, been, we've had hubs for roughly um, seven years, I think, is the total, six or seven years. And I'll say that these are our goals as hubs. This is what we're seeking to accomplish and this seminar is, is one little taste of that. Um, we want to see the, the Lord cultivate a culture of missions in the PCA. We want to help you know as individual churches how to cultivate a culture of missions within your church. It's a major heart for us is to see churches more and more deeply engaged in the mission of God. We want to, in order to do that, we want to equip churches. We also, as hubs, are in a very unique position locally to equip new missionaries. So if you know people that are considering a call to missions, contact your hub and let us get engaged with them because we can locally do a better job being purposeful to engage them, prepare them uh, for missions. We also want to foster prayer for missions that cannot be underestimated. And specifically, our heart is to mobilize missionaries because we do still need people from America to serve as cross-cultural workers around the world because the Lord is at work in incredible way, ways around the world. And most of the time, it's us just trying to keep up with what he's doing. And so we're praying desperately for laborers for the harvest. So that's, those are the goals for our hubs. And let me just help you meet our friendly little regional hub teams, okay? They're all nice. Um, so first and foremost, just by way of introduction, uh, we have a Northeast and Mid-Atlantic hub. Raise your hand if you're in these states right here. You cover these areas. All right, so Greg is your man. Stand up for us, Greg. All right. Greg is your man, but he's not working alone. He's got uh, volunteers and candidate specialists and other people that serve alongside him to help him do this work um, in these churches. You can find all this information on our on our website. Our next hub is our smallest geographically, but in terms of numbers of churches, is by far um, our, our largest hub. Leonard Leonardo, would you stand up for us, brother? Yes, absolutely. So this represents the Southeast hub. These are the people that are there to help us accomplish the vision along with you, and hopefully you'll have a chance to get to know all of these folks in due time. All right, we have a new hub. We call it Mid-America Hub. And um, how many of you guys are in this part of the country right here? Raise your hand. Yep, quite a lot. Absolutely. And so your leader is Dale Hollenbeck, and uh, Mariah's actually here too. If both y'all would stand up, we got to see you. Absolutely. Talk to Mariah. More than, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. If you want it done. Yeah, if you want it done, talk to, talk to Mariah. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then our last hub is led by yours truly, and you can see the wonderful team uh, that we have to help engage in the Western United States, which is um, uh, pretty incredible, but culturally different than other parts of the U.S., for sure. So raise your hand if you're from the West. All right. Well, if I haven't met you, we got to meet. I just recently took over the further Western area, and so I haven't met all of you, but I do look forward to that as well. All right. So that's introduction to the hubs. I'm going to pass it off to Greg, our hub director for uh, Northeast and Mid-Atlantic, to talk about, just give some tips on how to cast vision for missions in your church. All right. Thanks, Jerry. We're going to do a little interactive part here, too. But um, so, yeah, one of the, so I was, uh, I, had, I was in Turkey for four years, uh, was with the OPC back at, in those days, and then pastored a church in the Boston area for almost 20 years. 
um, but then came on to MTW a couple years ago. And one of the things I have a passion for, and we all have a passion for, is vision. Um, and I, I, one of the things I experienced when I was in church life, and others do, is that a lot of missions teams see themselves more as resource allocators than vision casters. Because you have limited resources. And if you're known as a, a missions-minded church, there's a black hole of need in global missions. And so the question is, how do you set a course um, for vision? What is vision? Well, this is one definition. Um, a snapshot of what you prayerfully desire a ministry to look like over a given period of time. And uh, most of you, let me just read... Uh, much of what we're sharing is from a, a curriculum we wrote called Cultivate. And this is one thing we'd love to do with missions teams and churches. Uh, but listen to this first line here um, of a part of the Cultivate material. A common temptation for church leaders wanting to establish and grow a missions ministry is just to jump in and take action, right? And if you're on a missions team, you're an action person. Uh, and you want to see things done. We have a great commission, right? Um, a bias for action can be a good thing. But creating a culture of missions and maximizing your church's potential depends on one thing, a carefully developed vision. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that. And so I, I was challenged one time by somebody who said, uh, well, vision is really a corporate term. I said, well, okay, if it's a corporate term, then they stole it from the Lord. Um, because this is a very familiar passage, right, to us. This is God's vision. God is a visionary, right? And this is the vision he's given us. The Great Commission is really a strategy. This is the vision right here. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the vision the Lord has given us. That's what the Great Commission is all about. And it's leading us to this. And so God is a visionary God, and I think it's totally it's appropriate and necessary for us as his people to cast vision for the part that God is calling us to play in that. Right? It's a huge, uh, you know, the kingdom of God is huge, and it's advancing all over the world, but he's called us to be faithful in that peace that he has given us. And so we want to be faithful to that call. So let me ask you this, just from your own experience in terms of uh, vision casting, what are some of the things that you think are necessary for casting vision in a church or a vision statement? Anybody dare to break the sound barrier and say something? What are some of those things? Anybody, you have a vision statement for your missions team and you're thinking, okay, what do we need to know? Yeah. Sure. What are your values? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. We go through that in the curriculum. What are your vision and then your values that undergird the vision? Well done. Any other thoughts? Where will you focus? Where will you focus? Right. Do you have an area focus? Uh, where I was at First Pres, we had a birdshot approach, a buckshot approach for many years. We were near Gordon Conwell and lots of people came through. And we realized we can't do that because there's just too many people. We have to focus. Any other thoughts? Team leaders, okay, people who share the vision, right, and can champion the vision in the church. Well said. Okay, we're adding some of these to the curriculum, just so you know. Um, so here's a few ingredients to um, vision uh, casting. One is clarity, a clear path that enables you to stay on task. I tell folks, if your vision statement does not help you make decisions, then you need to go back and look at your vision statement because it needs to have that kind of clarity to keep you on task. Secondly, it needs to be motivational, addressing a need, a call for response. Where are we headed? Why are we going there? Um, and the more you cast a vision for where you're going, the more uh, motivated your congregation will be in terms of engaging in missions. Achievable. Now, I say achievable within the reach, within reach over time, in the strength of the Lord, right? You ha the Lord has to be in it. Um, otherwise, it'll be in vain, we know. But something that is you can aim at and achieve, right? What's this saying? If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, right? Um, and measurable has some kind of quantifiable goals. So let me, how, another minute or two? Okay, so let's just do a couple examples. I'd love to get your feedback. Let's just take one of these. 
Here's a vision statement from a church. Um, we will glorify God by filling the Great Commission. What are your thoughts on this statement? Not specific enough, yeah? I'm so, and if I cut and pasted this from your church, I'm really sorry. Just so you know. Okay, it, it talks about the Great Commission. It has some biblical, you know, glorify God. There's a little bit of motivation there, but it lacks clarity. Let's go to a second one. First Church will endeavor to plant 50 indigenous churches in 50 great cities of the world, utilizing church planting centers with our global partners. What do you think of this statement? What's that? Too big. Yeah, unless you're a mega church. But it has something. What does it have? It has goals. It has measurable goals, right? It has something you can actually aim for, uh, whether it's motivational or not. Um, and, and it may be way too big. Yeah, but a little better. Check this one out. This will be our last one. Fueled by a passion for God's glory, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will commit to sharing the gospel and making disciples cross-culturally so that Christ-honoring churches grow among the nations in three geographic locations. A little bit of a, you know, that's like Ephesians chapter 1 in the Greek, right? It keeps going and going. Thoughts on that one? Too long, way too long, says Leonard. Okay, I'm telling them. This church, what you said, Leonard. <laughs> Other thoughts? Okay, where are the, right, it needs to fine tune the point, you know, sharpen the pencil, so to speak. It lacks specificity. Okay, good, good, all right. So you see what we're doing here? This is what, when we do cultivate seminars with churches, this is exactly what we go through. We go a process where... And we recommend, what do you, I mean, once every seven or eight years, go back through, retool, rethink, and, you know, sometimes redirect your missions. So this is just to whet your appetite. This is what we love to do. We work with churches. It's called Cultivate. We have some cards here we want to give you before you leave. Um, and we would be glad. We do it uh, virtually. We do it in person. And I would love to have you. There's also a partner uh, program that you can take. Uh, mtw.org forward slash resources and you can ask for this test it's a 20 question test to help discern where you are as a missions team and then we can begin to diagnose how we want to um, address some of those needs that's all I have that's vision casting and um, we'd love to have you uh, become part of that but next is Dale Hollenbeck thanks Craig yeah and um so the next thing, just we want to put a, a tab in, uh, is to how do we cultivate missions within the church? I'm going to um, take us, let's see, make sure I got it. We need a culture of missions within the church. Um, I actually believe that that's the reason why Jesus is holding off from his return, that this is a day of grace. The purpose of the church, the, the structures he's given us, like we are to be about this task of, taking the gospel and, and carrying it across every boundary that was set up, even, even at the Tower of Babel. And so um, how do we do that? What components can come in there? What sorts of questions can we ask? How do we even look at the missions within our own church? For so often, it seems as though missions is an appendage of the church, almost a slice of the pie. And what I'd like to... Um, see in this is that when we create a culture of, of missions, missions is more like the pie tin holding everything together. And so some practical ways to do that is first by simply acknowledging how far we have to go. Like, we got a long way to go. Um, honestly, I think we should be taking up the full auditorium with this, this uh, seminar. Barna did a survey of the church in 2018. And in that survey, he asked, uh, have you heard of the Great Commission? Fair, sounds fairly simple. Uh, of the respondents, 51% said no, flat out no. Another six said, I'm not sure. 25 said yes, but I don't know exactly what it means. I can't recall. Okay. And then 17 said yes, and it means you know, and they will refer to, say, Matthew 28. So we have a long way to go, 
in evangelical churches. Um, I, I do suspect that the PCA is a little step beyond these. Our numbers might be different, but still, there's an atmosphere. We have a lot of work to do in front of us in terms of building this culture. Well, how do we do it? I'm going to try to give you a, a real simple way forward. I'm going to talk about three things, God's word, God's world, and God's work. Okay, We're going to try to remember. It's not actually exactly boiled down to that in Cultivate Seminar, but we're going to, I'm going to try to make it memorable for this time. And uh, God's word. One way in God's word is to simply recognize that missions is an overarching theme of scripture. If I could go into your, the nursery of your, your Sunday school classroom and pull out a children's storybook Bible, those major stories that we teach our children from the, their earliest years are all stories of missions. Like if I were to take you to David and Goliath, guess what David says before Goliath? So that you may know that there is a God in Israel, so that you Philistines, you outsiders, so that the world may know. Or the story of the golden calf. There, as God says, I will wipe out this nation in the rebellion. Moses prays for the people saying, Oh Lord, what will the Egyptians say when they find out that you have taken this people out to the wilderness and ended them? Another story, Daniel in the lion's den. You know what happened at the end of Daniel's in the lion's den? It didn't stop at Daniel coming out that morning and being warmly greeted by the king. That story ends with the king writing a letter to the nation saying, worship the God of Israel. He has the power of salvation. He can save people from the lions. How about another one? Solomon praying at the prayer of dedication at the temple. You know what he prays there? Oh Lord, when the foreigner comes here and prays, hear, hear their prayer, answer their prayer, so that they will know that there is a God in Israel. Story after story after story, there is an overarching biblical narrative that goes from the beginning in Genesis all the way through, as, as Greg showed us, to the book of Revelation. Our God is a missionary God, and this has got to be some anchored in the leadership and in the preaching of the church. But it's not just in our speaking, it's also in our leadership to be asking questions. This is one worth writing down. If we will reach the last people group, what sort of people do we need to be? How do we disciple our people? If we're going to finish this Great Commission, how can we train? How can we build up? How can we, what, what skills, what character traits do we need to incorporate in our discipleship ministry to actually be able to finish this? Asking that question, oh my word, it's a game changer because it gives structure to our discipleship. And all of a sudden, when we're intentional about that, we are cultivating a culture of missions within our churches. Here's another simple thing within leadership. This one comes from Frank Barker. It would be as they would meet week after week after week, people would come up with different um, opportunities for ministry. It could be overwhelming. One of the questions Frank would ask would be, how does this ministry help us reach the world for Christ? Simple question. And yet it's so strategic. When we ask such questions, it transforms our churches to be more and more missions focused. Now, I got a picture of a toaster. Some of you, I think, chuckled when you saw that. What I'm claiming in this is, what I believe the scripture claims, is that missions is actually the purpose of the church. And that's kind of a radical thing. The, po the toaster is there because this. Now, what's the purpose of a toaster? Anybody courageous enough to ask the gift? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's to create good toast. That's right. Very simple. Now, I could take that toaster and I could use it as a door prop at the back of the room. Is it fulfilling its purpose? No. Simply that. If missions is the purpose of the church in this age, then this has everything to do with the discipleship ministry and its structures, why we are a people and what we're to be about. And when we're doing the right things, we're also asking the right questions.
The second thing I'd like to point out is God's world. Now, in short, we ain't done yet. There are about 7,200 unreached people groups on this planet. And they live largely in a concentrated area, 10 degrees north of the equator and up to 40, going from roughly Japan to Morocco. In that area, there are 3 billion people living in communities where it's 2% or fewer evangelical believers, or even uh, 5% nominal Christians. Okay, there's, there's a huge part of the world that doesn't know Jesus. On top of that, let me put the cherry on that. 25% of the world's population lives among a frontier people group. A frontier people group is a group where there is one believer or fewer per thousand. Are you catching that statistic? That's incredible. I live in St. Louis. Let me tell you how hard it is to reach out to unreached people groups. We've had the Bosnians in St. Louis for 25 years. We have wonderful churches in St. Louis, godly people, people who want to share the gospel. We have PCA churches. We have uh, um, Missouri Synod Lutherans. We have evangelical free churches. We have more than one seminary. We have wonderful Baptists. You get the point. Out of 25 years, we've had 60,000 Bosnians in St. Louis, and we have not been able to break the barriers to the Bosnians. 60,000. And I could count for you the number uh, who have gone from a Muslim background to a Bible-believing background on my 10 digits of my fingers. I mean, for crying out loud, we have a lot of work to do. This is hard work to do. That last point segues into this. I want to encourage you to, to imagine a bridge from your backyard to that last people group. And if we're asking as leaders, how do we become a people where we're able to reach that last people group, let's use our backyard as a place to start training and mobilizing, looking for cross-cultural opportunities in the backyard. We can explore that later. I'm going to jump to my next point, God's work. As God would form a people of missions that we have an opportunity to train people within our congregation for reaching out to others. And that's an equipping work. You know, the cool thing about it is that God is giving gifts to people. And so to be able to identify those gifts, relish and appreciate those gifts, and then utilize those gifts, putting people into situations where they can expand the kingdom. Now, it'll be haphazard in some ways. It'll, you know, there's growing pains, but isn't that what we're here for? Discipling is for the entire congregation. I used to think that hospitality was one of those runt gifts. You know, if you didn't have one of the good ones, then maybe you could get hospitality. And if neither of those, then maybe wisdom. Okay, you get my point. I was a missionary in Africa. And then I realized how critical hospitality is. Without it, you don't have that medium to engage unbelievers. Are you following what I get? Yes, I see some nods. Like, we need gifts. And, and I want to say as leaders, come to the point where you say, I, I, maybe I don't know what your gift is, but I know the Lord has given you and we need you for this task. There are five classic missions roles. Go, send, pray, welcome, and mobilize. That's another way to look at it, but I also appreciate the gifts. Again, finally, Develop those gifts in your own backyard and look for opportunities to do that. And in part of our Cultivate seminar, we will be working with churches to look for those opportunities that we can actually move forward in global missions, developing skills and then developing the character to be able to hang in there to represent the gospel. And I, oh, I don't think we're quite at that one. I, I want to... Um, take a moment and ask Mark to come. And, yeah. So there's another initiative that we want to um, introduce people to. And, and Pastor Mark Bates is uh, heading up and maybe 
And that's reaching out to pastors. And maybe you could take a moment just to talk about that. So um, I've been with Mission to the World now for two years. And it was interesting when Lloyd first called me about uh, taking on this job. So I've never been a missionary. I'm totally unqualified. And uh, in fact, many of you, as I was looking around, some of you have been. So you know far more about what goes on around the world than I do. You've actually lived it. Um, but I think what I do bring to the table is I know what it's like to be a pastor and, and uh, who has a heart to see the, the world reach for Christ. And I think it, we'd all say in, in our churches uh, that the pastor having a heart for the nations is absolutely critical. Here's the challenge, though. Uh, when your pastor gets home from general, how many of your pastors here, by the way? Okay, okay good number. Uh, when you get home from general assembly, and, and you make it through the weekend because you just got to preach something this Sunday or somebody is. And, and so you got to make it through your weekend. And then Monday morning, you've got, uh, you know, somebody's marriage. You've got you, something's happening in youth ministry because something's always happening in youth ministry. Uh, you've got, you know, what, something's happening around music. You've got, I mean, 20 different things going on. And you think about all the activities that are going on in church. Oh, and VBS is coming up, by the way. And so you've got a, a billion things going on. And so what happens is this. You say, you know, I have a heart for the world. But I got a day job, and the day job is all-consuming. And so what happens, have you ever heard of, uh, I never knew what it was called this, but I looked it up recently. Ever, some of you may know the name of it, called the Eisenhower Quadrant. Uh, the Eisenhower Quadrant goes like this. Uh, on one axis is things that are urgent, and another axis are things that are important. Now you know of that. And so a lot of times we spend our, our time on those things that are urgent, urgent and important, like somebody dies. You know, the funeral's kind of urgent. You can't say, can I get to you next month? You know, it's, that's urgent. Uh, then they're urgent and important. There are other things that are urgent that really aren't all that important, and you've got your own list. Um, where missions typically falls into is important but not urgent. And like a lot of things that are important but not urgent, we never get to them until they become urgent, like taking care of your health. Not urgent until it is. And, and so... That happens with missions. And so part of it, though, I think there should be a reorientation for us as pastors. One is to say, is this really important? This goes back to what is the mission of the church? And if you do a survey of many people, I think many people, not pastors, I would say, or elders, uh, but many people would, would say, you know, they'd give a lot of different answers. The, the mission of the church is X. But I think we're going back to Scripture. What is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to see the whole earth full of the glory of God. So let's go back to the Great Commission, which you all know, and the Great Commission is not just to make disciples. I talked to a lot of pastors say, we're on mission. We're seeking to reach the lost in our city. I am for reaching the lost in your city. In fact, I wish more of our churches were for reaching the lost in their city. That, you know, that's, that is the mission, but that is not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not to make disciples. What's the Great Commission? Make disciples of all nations. That's, prepositional phrases matter. Or you go to Acts 1-8. And to be my witnesses, not just in your city, but where? To, to the very ends of the earth. And, and, but here, though, what you're seeing is the, the Great Commission, as we see in Matthew and in Acts, is not something new. It's actually a restatement of the cultural mandate in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, that the two things are not in conflict. In Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, God commands us as human beings, as his image bearers, to make the whole earth a kingdom of God, to be under his reign and under his rule, to subdue the whole earth, all of creation. And in Genesis 2, he ties it directly, and you'd have to see this in the, the, the Hebrew, to, to, to uh, ultimately is to make the whole earth a temple of God. That's the mission of God. The mission of God is to make the whole earth a temple. And then you get to the book of Revelation. What do we have the vision of? Jerusalem comes down, fills the whole earth. And the whole earth is a temple of God. There is no temple in the, in the new Jerusalem because the whole earth is a temple, right? And so that's the vision that they're getting to. So then what's the mission? And so then we have to be asking ourselves the Frank Barker question, is this helping us towards that mission? So we're equipping our people, but equipping them for what? So one is, I think the pastors, we need to get a, a sense of what is our mission? Our mission is not simply to, you know, make sure everybody's cared for. The, the analogy I, I draw to that is uh, live in Colorado Springs, which is a huge military town, huge army base, Air Force base, Space Force base, uh, lots of bases. And, um, and so everybody there is in the military. But you know how many people I've met who actually fight? I mean, I met one Green Beret. Uh, I met a few pilots. 
Nobody fights in Colorado Springs, except, you know, Christians. But um, that's a different thing. <laughs> you know, they don't fight. I, I've met, uh, you know, accountants. I've met computer guys. I've met doctors. I've met a musician. I've met an Air Force athlete. And, uh, and you're thinking, is the mission of the Air Force to do good athletics? No, it's to defend the country. Mission of the Air Force to do good music. No, it's to defend the country. Is the mission of the Air Force to do good accounting? No, it's to defend the country. Is the mission of the Air Force to do good medical care? No, it's to defend the country. But if you're going to defend the country, you better have doctors to take care of those troops, right? And if you're going to defend the country, you better have accountants who are going to take care of the money. And if you're going to defend the country, you need musicians because I'm not real sure, but you need those. And so, so you, you've got to have all these people. Well, in the church, it's the same way. So the question is, though, are all of our ministries actually aiming at the mission? And so the pastor's got to get a grip of that. So what are the, the, for the pastor, what needs to happen? One is, I think, getting that vision. And, and for pastors, I'd say if you're not a pastor, the thing you ought to be encouraging is for your pastor to go and see. To, to go and see what's going on, to get a vision for what God is doing around the world. Uh, secondly, when he goes and sees, he doesn't need to go and see by himself. It is best if he goes and sees with another leader in the church. Because as a pastor, you're not going to do much in your church if other leaders don't have the same vision. Um, it, we're Presbyterian. You're not Pope. So, um, so getting that, that vision. And then as pastors, as you get that vision, talk about it. If the mission of God from Genesis 1 to Revelation at the very end it's all about filling the earth to the temple of God. Guess what? It shows up in every single book of the Bible. Do a uh, search in your Logos Bible software of the word nations in the book of Psalms alone. It, it is astounding. And so it needs to show up in preaching, not just at missions conferences. It needs to show up in, your, then in, in using sermon illustrations. So, so for the pastor, it's got to be in there, not just the missions conference. Uh, by the way, how many of your churches do missions conferences? Okay. Uh, here's another question. How many of your churches do missions conferences where, the major where a large number of people under 30 attend? A couple. Okay, I'm going to put my friend Scott Puckett on the spot here. So Scott is a new missions pastor at Mitchell Road. A, a beautiful, wonderful PCA church, super committed to missions. Scott goes in to the, the 20, 30-somethings, he's got some new there, and asked them, what will it take to get you to the missions conference? And their response was, we're not coming. We're not coming. And so, so the thing is, if you're depending on your missions conference, it's not going to work for your younger generation. They've got to get exposed. They've got to hear about it. They've got to, to meet people who are engaged in the work. And so, um, and so one of the things is to be talking about things that work for us over 60, they're not working for the 20 and 30 year olds. And so we need to recognize that. So for pastors getting that experience, uh, talking about it, preaching about it. And then the other thing is for the pastor, since he does have you know, 50 things on his plate, the missions committee's job is to, to again, I think often set the vision, the direction with the pastor aligned with that, or the pastor helps you do that, but make sure he's aligned. But the pastor, if you're looking for the pastor to be your missions pastor, that's not gonna work. In other words, tee him up. Tell him what's going on. For example, uh, he's probably not going to keep up with every... Like, like, Chris, how many missionaries do you support? Do you even know? It's a ridiculous number. You should have fired the previous senior pastor. You know, it's a, uh, uh, it's a, it's a ridiculous number. I don't know why the previous guy didn't do something about that. It's, uh, and you can't keep up. You can't pray for all those people. But someone can give Chris, like, hey, here's a great story from Larry in London. And, uh, and so Chris could use that in a sermon, but Chris can't, doesn't have time to go look for the story about Larry in London. Or here's something that's going on with, with Joel in the Middle East. And so the missions committee can feed him bite-sized pieces, not books, not uh, everybody, here's the 60 prayer letters we got this month, bite-sized pieces. And then Chris can incorporate that in his preaching. And, um, and so showing up in the preaching, showing up regularly, not just looking for that one-time-a-year event to be the thing. So for pastors, creating that culture means showing that it's in Scripture all the way through to using it in sermon illustrations uh, and, 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 and talking about it, and three, for the missions committee, helping the pastor do that, recognizing he's got other things that, that he is doing. Not that it's not important. There's just a whole lot of urgent going on. 
And so the more you can help him with that, the, the better off he's going to be. But number one, I'd say get your senior pastor and uh, other key leaders to actually see the work somewhere where God is, God is moving. And uh, that is going to make, a, I think, a, a really a, a key difference in that. And so if you want to know how to do that, our hub directors would be glad to tell you about how they can get you to see some of the, some of the great works that are going on. So that's a, a brief thing on that. So, is it Leonard? Yeah, well, um, Leonardo's fine. Uh, my cousins were all born in Brazil. That's what they call me because we speak Portuguese. So anyways, um, we're going to be, it's a little bit of a switch, although this is a continuation, if you will, of cultivating a culture mission in your church, um, which is partly caring for your missionaries. And of course, not to uh, boast too much about MTW, but as many of you know, um, I'll do a shout out for our, our member care department. You know, our, our member care department does an incredible job of caring for our missionaries. And actually, it goes to the ethos of what I like to call at MTW that we want to care for the souls of our missionaries from the moment they're mobilized all the way to on their field on the field and beyond that and so we want to also in partner with you the sending churches to help shepherd the hearts um, of our missionaries and that includes caring for their um, caring for your missionaries and I want to this is a big topic and I have a QR code code at the end so that you can uh, there's a document there's an article that one of our missionaries former missionaries wrote about creative ways to care for your uh, missionaries. So um, you can always get that later. But um, I don't want to talk too much about the specifics. I'll give a, a few things for you. But I just want to talk about one word um, to help us uh, go through this uh, this, af- this afternoon, which is really it's all about relationship, right? Um, this is nothing new. You know this. Um, but as covenant theologians, right, we believe in covenant theology. Uh, which means that, you know, we are a covenant family. We have covenant uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters and, and grandparents and grand, grandchildren. So we're a family, and it's all based on relationships. This is nothing new, really, obviously, but um, it's important. Um, we're not a club. We're not um, some organization. We are united together in Christ. We're, we have union with Christ, and then together... We're united. That's, that's, that's critical um, for, um, uh, for us as Reformed believers, right? So just want to go through three things really quickly uh, to help us focus on mission, which is, I mean, relationship, which is uh, encouragement, engagement, and enjoying. So encourage, engage, enjoy. Um, again, we are, uh, God works through relationships. He's a rela- he is a relational God. Um, they all just said, you know, or somebody just said that God covenants with us. He wants to be with us. He's a relational God. Uh, that's very important. So we want to do that with one another, right? So it's mutual discipleship, mentorship, equipping, accountability, encouragement. Really, um, one best way, I think one good way, and even though this may be intuitive for you, for us to care for our missionaries is to learn how to build relationship even within our own churches. That might sound funny, but... You know, how many of us want long for our congregation members to really be caring for one another, right? To hold each other accountable, to counsel each other. That's a beautiful thing to watch as a pastor, isn't it? We want to encourage that. So that's one way we can um, start training ourselves, if you will, to care for our missionaries. Because it's about building relationship with them, too. And if we are taking care of one another in our churches, that hopefully will also translate over into caring for our missionaries that are on on, church. on the field, right? Uh, just uh, a quick verse here, Hebrews 10, 24, 25, very famous verse that you are, are well aware of, but it's, let us consider how to stir one another up in love, uh, uh, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near to encourage one another. Um, again, if you want to look at it as an, extent, as an extension of cultivating a culture of missions within your own church in a way to, uh, and, uh, in a way to, um, to, to uh, train yourselves to care for the missionaries. Here's a few ideas in terms of engagement, um, right? Uh, so as a sending and or a supporting church, there's a myriad w- uh, number of ways you can care for your missionaries. 
Um, again, um, uh, the, the article I talked about is by Laura Doherty, who's one of our former missionaries to South America. It's called Creatively Caring for Your Missionaries. And just a few things, um, and you can get the QR code at the end. I'll have it on the slide if you want to get that article. Um, not going to go through too much here because there's too much detail. But obviously, prayer, uh, prayer is critical. Um, praying for, praying with, communication with them is very important. Um, and um, getting emails uh, to them. I was talking with a couple of missionaries recently, uh, presenting exactly what I'm pre presenting to you and confirming from them that, you know, getting an email, getting a note, getting, getting any kind of communication from a home church or sending church is gold to them. It's encouragement. Um, but you want to be thoughtful about the way you do that as well because if there are 20 supporting churches and you have all these people writing... You kind of have to coordinate that, and you can't expect the missionaries to, to always get back to you. So there has to be also a kind of coordinated effort, if you will. In fact, that may be one way that you want to help your, to care for your missionaries is if you know and get together all their supporting churches, and kind of coordinate your efforts, not just in communication, but in other ways that you want to support them. That would be a great way to, to, uh, to help them as well. Um, help them uh, facilitate training, help establish prayer network, help establish a, maybe even a financial network. Um, obviously, fundraising is a constant. I shouldn't say that. It's partner development is the technical term. Um, but raising support is a constant challenge for missionaries. So how do we help them do that? These are just ideas for you. Care for them when they're on HMA. That is when they're home, right? Logistical support. Um, uh, just... just just the practical support, practical things for them, physical, emotional needs that they might have, help with um, health care, uh, help with their children. Um, again, coordinating support with other churches. In other words, be involved, build relationship, um, especially build trust. This all sounds very simple and it's very intuitive, I know, nothing new, but are we actually doing this? Are we thinking about it? Are we planning? Are we coordinating? So I encourage you to do that. Uh, Philippians 1.3 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you, all, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul is emphasizing, and he does this in several of his letters, as you well know, talking about and being thankful for the churches, various churches' partnership with him uh, in the gospel. So engage in various ways. Lastly, just enjoy. Enjoy your relationship. Uh, in many of Paul's letters, he talks about that, right? There's so much joy when he writes to the churches that he serves with and alongside. For example, 1 Corinthians 16, 17. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have made up for uh, your absence. For they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such men. Again, in Philippians 4.10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly uh, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. She's talking about the concern for him. He, he has his joy when he talks to the churches. Philemon 1.7, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. It's all about relationships uh, and building them. I know that's very basic, but... I don't think it can be more important than that. You know, God works through relationships. We know that we can only get things done through relationship. We can't do it on our own. I can't do anything on my own. I need help of the Lord and my brothers and sisters like you. Um, one of the things that was brought up to my attention, up to our attention, I led a trip to, I'll just say, a 1040 window country. In fact, one of my brothers was, is in the room. He came with me. And um, we asked the two national pastors in two different cities, um, you know, how, what can we do as American Christians to help you? And you know what he said? Actually, you know what they said separately, not in coordination or talking with each other at all. They both said, you know what's the most important thing you guys can do is come and be with us and walk alongside us, pray with us, get to know us. In other words, build relationships. That was the most important thing. That's more important than buildings and doing VBS. Those are fine things. Don't stop doing that. But they want to build relationship um, because that's the way God gets things done. And that sounds so practical. It glorifies God. And we encourage one another. We enjoy ministry together. 
and we also accomplish the things that God has commanded us to do, which is the Great Commission. So, Thanks, Leonardo. Thanks, thanks guys. <laughs> um, so we just threw a lot at you, and as I said before, this is the start of a conversation. Because so much of the items that we've covered, that we've talked through at this stage, are things that need to be really vetted out in relationship with you, in relationship with your missions committee, in relationship with uh, missions leadership at your church. And so we want to encourage you to let's, let's, keep, let's deepen our relationship. Let's let the hubs and our churches deepen our relationship so we can better know how to serve you. So there's a couple things I want to mention. We were going to have a Q&A, but our time is up, so I'm going to not do a Q&A. But we'll be up here. If you have any questions, we'll be up here. We'll be happy to do uh, answer any questions that you have. The first thing that I want to mention is um, this card right here. We, we want to pass these out. If you have anyone in your church that is considering missions, even just 1%, they don't have to be convinced because we love to talk to people that aren't convinced. I love to tell people, the first, okay, talking to me doesn't mean you're going to become a missionary. It's okay. You know, we can talk. All right. So if they're just 1% interested or they have the gifts, let us know who they are so we can help you walk them through their sense of calling. And so this card is something we would love to know people that are interested in missions in your church and follow up on them. Uh, the second thing is we want to make sure everybody gets this in their hands. This is our Cultivate Flyer. This is really the next step in the conversation. So you heard a lot of information. What do you do with it? The, first, the next thing you do after this seminar is you get one of these, you click the QR code, and you contact us so that we can continue the conversation talking about Cultivate. Um, trying to make it super easy next steps. I would encourage you guys to think about Cultivate because we would love to see 30%, 50% of PCA churches participate in Cultivate because we think that is a key thing for helping all of us uh, be faithful to, to the Great Commission. The last thing I'll mention as far as the next step uh, for you leaders, pastors, anyone really, we are regularly leading vision trips as Mark says. I'm leading one to East Africa in October. Uh, Greg is leading one to Nicaragua in September. Um, where are you leading team? Japan, what, what month? October. Um, I'm also leading one to Southeast Asia in January. So we're going all over the world to help you and expose members of your church to what God is doing and to build relationships with our fields. And we want you to come with us. We would love for you to taste and see what the Lord, the Lord is doing. So those are, those are the next steps, I think. Let's definitely talk about Cultivate. We'd love to see your church engage in that so we can really begin to work through how to do some of these things um, at your church level. You can hear more talks like this by subscribing to the Gifts and Graces podcast. You can also hear more content like this by attending a seminar at General Assembly. They are free and open to the public. Find out times and locations by visiting pcaga.org. Thanks for listening to Gifts and Graces.